Catholic Views. I'm your host, Renee Kranz. On today's show, we will have Father James Zimmer in the studio. He's going to talk to us about hospital chaplaincy. He's been a hospital chaplain for a lot of years, so he's going to tell us uh, what that experience has been like for him, and we'll talk about um, handling illness and so on with using your faith, those kinds of things. It's a really good interview, so I hope you'll stick around. I had not met Father Zimmer before, um, and I really enjoyed my time with him. So, Father, or Father, that's not the first time I've done that. Dr. Chris Bergwald is here. Is that, is that who I am? Hi, Renee. <laughs> you are a father, just not that kind of father. That's uh, true. <laughs> we have some biblical bites with Dr. B first. Yes, ma'am. Yes. So, Renee, what's today? It would be, well, today is Wednesday, but um, when we when you hear this, it'll be the third Sunday of Easter. Are you sure? No. You're right, though. Okay, Despite good. Your is it anything else besides the third Sunday? There's no other okay. name besides. Okay. A third Sunday of besides that Easter. Okay. Uh, so I want to talk today about the the gospel. It's a long gospel reading. Uh, it's the pretty much basically the end of John's gospel. Um, I think all of chapter twenty one. Okay. So it's got the story where um, Jesus, in John's gospel, John tells us about three appearances of the risen Jesus. The first to his apostles minus Thomas mm-hmm. on on Easter Sunday. Right. Um, the second, the following Sunday. We talked briefly about this last week, mm-hmm. um, where Thomas is present, and there's the whole "put your hands here on my side." Right. So, uh, and then the third um, appearance of Je- the risen Jesus to the apostles that John tells us about is is the one we read about today. So, um, they are back in Galilee. Mm, right. This is how it starts. At that time, Jesus revealed himself again to his disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. Renee, what's the Sea of Tiberias? Isn't that the Sea of Galilee? Why is it called the Sea of Tiberias? I don't know. Because Herod Antipas, remember Herod Antipas, mm-hmm. uh, built um, a city, uh, the, the administrative capital for Galilee, um, on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. Okay. And guess what he named it? Tiberias. Why did he call it Tiberias? Because he can call it whatever he wants, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> who, who, do you know, did the name Tiberias mean anything yeah, to you? Yeah, it's one of the Caesars. It's the middle name person. of James Kirk. <laughs> That is James true. T. It is. Kirk. Uh, but, <laughs> I, if, if I had known you were going that way, I could have answered that right. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah. Note that for uh, the the Christmas trivia. Oh yes, episode. yes, Ryan. I hope you're listening. Uh, the, the emperor at the time. So you know, this is what uh, junior potentates do. They try to curry favor, sure. so they name things after their boss. Sure. Hopes of course. So. Um, they're, 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 they're going fishing, and um, Jesus, he revealed himself in this way. Together with Simon Peter, Thomas called Didymus, which means? Twin. Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, Zebedee's sons, and two others of his disciples. So uh, it's interesting that John tells us it was Simon, Thomas, Nathaniel, Zebedee's sons, and two other guys. Like, <laughs> John, you go through the terrible of telling us by name who three of the seven were, um, we can figure out who two of them were, and then you just and then two others. Like, wh- why? I, I well, don't if know. you've seen the movie Risen, it's it's clearly a uh, former Roman guard, or no, something like centurion or something. Not at this point. <laughs> anyway, but Zebedee's sons. Who are Zebedee's sons, Renee? Uh, James and John, I believe. Right. So uh, John, this is. Again, consistently throughout the gospel, according to Saint John, 
He never names himself. Right. So even here, um, it's Zebedee's sons. So John is consistent from beginning to end. He never names himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, but going on, so I'm going fishing. They said to him, we'll go with you. So they went out, got into the boat. But that night, they caught nothing. Night? Night? Who was fishing at night? I don't know. Everybody? <laughs> <laughs> Have you not seen the chosen? I am since not we're talking a about fishermen. So but yes, it, they do fit. Yeah, people who are breaking the law. Fish no, at night. no, 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 no. It wasn't just the law. You need to rewatch the chosen. Uh, no, you went fishing. At, that, that's when you would go net fishing oh. in Galilee. At okay. least in the first century, uh, you would go out at night with nets, not rod and reel, <laughs> no bobber. Uh, you go out fishing with a net. So they caught nothing. When it was already done, Jesus was standing on the shore, but the disciples didn't recognize it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, have you caught anything to eat? They answered him, no, we haven't. Cast your net over the right side of the boat. You'll find something. So they cast it. We're not able to pull it in because of the number of fish. So the disciple whom Jesus loved, who was that? John. John said to Peter, it is the Lord. Now, Renee, do you remember what Peter does next? He jumps out of the boat and goes running. S- running? Well, as he can through, well, the, the, okay. And everything I've seen, they're in like knee deep water, but so, okay. that's a lie. Clearly. When Simon Peter so learned swimming. it was the Lord, he tucked in his garment for his late kind of jumped in the sea. Um, was, yeah. So he quickly goes, so this is the thing that I want to highlight. Um, Simon's excitement and enthusiasm at seeing the risen Jesus. And he impetuously jumps into the boat. And yeah, whether he runs or swims or whatever he does, he, he forget. And and he goes, he has to get to Jesus Mm -hmm. right away. Okay. The last little fun detail that I want to mention. So uh, the other disciples came in the boat. They weren't far from shore, only about hundred yards, dragging the fish net with the fish. When they climbed to shore, they saw a charcoal fire with fish on it. The other time that charcoal is mentioned in all of the New Testament is when Peter betrays Jesus. Charcoal Mm -hmm. betrayed, charcoal, he loves Jesus. That is really cool. Thanks for that connection, Dr. B. You bet. In the studio with me today is Father James Zimmer, who's a longtime priest of the diocese and retired now. But I wanted him to come in with me today to talk about his years as a hospital chaplain, uh, mostly at Sanford. Is that right, Father? Yes, at Sanford Hospital. Yeah. Thanks for joining us today. I appreciate you coming in. And thank you for having me. I assume lots of people in the diocese will know who you are. I assume quite a few people do. <laughs> I find that as I move around. As you around, travel around? Yeah, I bet, you do. I bet you do. Good. Yes. Well, all right. So um, a lot of people uh, have heard about priests in, in, in hospitals. Goodness, I couldn't get that word up. In the hospitals. And I have actually uh, myself uh, experienced some hospital chaplaincies. So can you tell us um, what a hospital chaplain does first? Well, uh, basically visit patients, Mm -hmm. um, and um, as a chaplain priest, um, I came to see giving the sacraments as uh, one of my most important things. Okay. Uh, I think my time as uh, being in in the hospital uh, really helped me learn even more or be convinced of the power of the sacraments more than than ever before. Okay. Um, So... Uh, I guess saying that means that your presence is really important because you bring the presence of Christ 
and a priest brings the presence of Christ in a particular way, and I think I became more convinced of that as time went on. Right. Because you're, you're also um, saying Mass at the hospital too, right? Yes. And uh, how often? Well, um, it, we started out, I was not mm-hmm. uh, saying Mass, and then um, I began and first began with just having a Saturday evening Mass, okay. which would be the Sunday Mass mm-hmm, for right. Sunday, then went to having um, Mass three days a week, oh, wow. uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and um, and then let me think here. No, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So mm-hmm. those were the, the, the days. Sure. Now Father Kaiser, mm-hmm. Father Duane Kaiser yeah. is the priest at Sanford, and he's changed that schedule a bit. The sure. weekdays he's changed. Sure. Yeah. But that's kind of nice for those who work at the hospital so they can go to Mass, but also for... Uh, usually patients don't go, I assume. It's more like visitors and those who work in the hospital. Is that right? Right. Okay. So um, uh, every now and then vis- uh, patients can come. Sure. Uh, they usually would need to be accompanied by a family member oh, or sure. a staff member. And often a staff member that would come sense. down. Um, and also before COVID, um, people could just come in oh, off sure. the street and come to mass. COVID changed And then that, with COVID, it oh, changed a lot. Shoot. Has that gotten back to normal? Do it's you know? gotten a little back to uh, closer to that. Okay. Um, even though now I've been uh, in official retirement for a year, and I'm not exactly sure just what the regulations are right now. <laughs> Me either. <laughs> <laughs> but when I uh, last July, when I retired, they would allow patients in. I, I mean, uh, outsiders, sure, people who were not there to visit a person, right. they'd, they'd escort them in, and then I'd escort them out. Oh, sure, sure. So they couldn't just wander around right. unaccompanied. Yeah. Um, let's see. And Father Krogman is at Avera. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I know he's been there quite a while, from and what I understand. He has uh, yeah. in different times. He right. was chaplain at Avera uh, oh. and McKinnon for one period of time, and then became pastor at St. Mary's Parish, oh, of that's course, right, right yep. next to... Yep. To uh, McKinnon. Yep. And then again, uh, back, back to Avera <laughs> Hospitals. So, how did you end up in hospital ministry? Because we talked a little bit before we started the show here, and that you were a parish priest for many years. So, how did you end up in the hospital ministry? Well, um, I, I might back up just a bit with that. Sure. It, it was a, a surprise and still not a surprise. Um, I remember even maybe even as a seminarian thinking about if I were a priest, what it would be like. I remember thinking of that possibility of being a hospital chaplain. Something mm-hmm. seemed um, attractive about that, and still I wasn't so sure. And um, and then as a parish priest, I began to discover that when I would go to visit people in the hospital, I would come back feeling better. Oh. Almost always, I'd mm-hmm. come back feeling more alive and uh, more hopeful, mm-hmm. and uh, as though I'd really done something important or sure. been part of something important. And finally, I began to see that. Um, and so, looking back, that means quite a bit to me. And then, when Bishop Swain came to the diocese mm-hmm. in 2006. That spring of 07, he approached me. I was in at Sacred Heart Parish in Aberdeen okay. about coming to 
Sioux Valley. It was Sioux Valley at that yes, time. And, sure. and right as I was assigned to it was come, it, it was right when it changed. Sure. Uh, that that change happened just all, almost simultaneously. Yeah. And um, uh, I, uh, at first, I, I don't think it'll hurt to say this. At first, I said I don't think I want to do it. To <laughs> now you to just told me how much you enjoyed it when you went there. <laughs> well, I didn't want to leave where oh, I was, sure. yeah. and and then it came to me uh, rather quickly that no, I sh- I need to do this. This is um. Uh, really where, where I need to go. So yeah. I changed my mind. Yeah. So Bishop um, Swain must have seen something in you because had you ever told him that you were, really enjoyed that? No, huh? I don't believe so. So um, either it was dumb luck or he saw something I, in you. Huh? Right, or <laughs> well, the not Holy dumb Spirit. Luck. God was working. Uh, right, for sure. <laughs> yeah, very yeah. cool. Um, okay, so you've been there quite a while and probably uh, seen a lot. Um, when we experience illness, especially chronic illness or really serious things in our lives. Have you noticed a, a typical reaction from people when they're in the hospital? Is there, a, is there a certain attitude that you encounter a lot when you go to visit? Um, you encounter, of course, a variety of mm-hmm. attitudes uh, uh, depending on the person's predisposition and so sure. forth. But I'd say that there's a basic human uh, core that um, sickness shows us our vulnerability yeah. and our mortality. Mm-hmm. It shows us that um, really that I don't belong to myself, yeah. uh, that, that I uh, don't have the power to keep myself from becoming sick sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, that I'm not all powerful. Right. Um, and it raises the question, what's the meaning of sickness with its um, right. weakness and the handicap it brings to you? Mm-hmm. And also the meaning it brings to mind the question of death. Right. Um, and that's a very important question. I think we need to be facing those questions at each moment of our lives, right. healthy or not. Right. And I said that. Uh, throughout the years I was there at, at Sanford, in fact, um, it wasn't long after I had started uh, uh, at Sanford when someone asked me what's uh, a, a good, good thing about it. What it came to me to say that it keeps in front of me the, the really important questions of life. Yeah. Uh, like, what does life mean? Yeah. And why am I here? Yeah, because uh, you're really... You're coming into people's lives when they're probably scared, um, frustrated, angry. There's all kinds of feelings that might be coming up. Um, so you're really coming in at a tough time, aren't you? Uh, yes. Uh, and there's something wonderful about that, okay. like I say, because it it is facing really what we need to be facing. Yeah. Or, or it's an opportunity to, to face what we need to face, yeah. uh, the, really, what, um, like I say, the question of meaning. Right. Because um, if I'm looking for the, if I'm asking the question, then I'm much more able to find the, the answer when it appears, mm-hmm. when it comes. So in other words, the, to discover Jesus, mm-hmm. that he came as what we really need to face life. But if I'm not asking the questions, I may not notice him. Mm-hmm. And when I ask the questions, I'll notice him and almost always it'll be in a different form than I expected. Right. Much bigger, much uh, 
greater, more beautiful. Right. Yeah. So do you do you find it sometimes when you uh, go in to talk with people, are they very open with you, or does it take a little work to 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 allow them to to allow them to let you walk with them on that journey? I kind of say yes and no. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, some people are very open from the very start, mm-hmm. um, and so glad to see you. And and obviously that makes everything so much easier in mm-hmm. the sense of um, it just opens the door. Yeah. Um, others are more guarded, mm-hmm. um, and uh, others are um, very guarded. Uh, and uh, and some will say, no, I don't want to visit. Sure. Um, and I need to respect that also. Yeah. And, yeah. and I've I've had, and I, I don't think I have. We have time really, but a couple of instances of tremendous things that happened when uh, patients told me to get out of their room <laughs> when wow. they kicked me out. Well, and I know you and, have done. We'll talk about this at the end a little bit, but I know you've done some writing about your experiences, and I think I read one, one of those okay. where uh, you had worked with someone who had told you to get out initially. And don't come back. Right, yes, right. yes. And there's more than one. <laughs> I'm uh, sure. And there are two in particular uh, where uh, I really saw that uh, as an answer to my prayer, actually. God gave that to me that uh, I'm... Uh, letting you experience this because you're not the savior and I am. Oh, sure. And, and you maybe don't have to be successful and, um, and just to, that I'm answering your prayer. I'm giving you what you need, which right. it didn't feel like, but it was. Right. And right. in the particular, I think the one that I had written about uh, that you're referring to, um, I found myself then when I discovered that, having an affection for this mm-hmm. patient mm-hmm. and praying for them whenever they came to the hospital, they were a regular right. patient yep. because of their disability. And and then they called for me to come and I was able to reconcile this person with the church and give them the sacraments That's so the great. day before they died. Oh, it, wow. it was very, very powerful. Yeah, that is. Um, yeah. Well, if you just joined us, we're talking to Father James Zimmer about his work as a hospital chaplain and uh, a little bit about handling illness, too, because um, that's something we all face. So whether we end up in the hospital or we're just we have a chronic illness or we're just sick with COVID or something at home, mm. how can we how should we use our faith at, the, at those moments? What's the best um, advice you can give? Uh, well, I don't know that I'm so good at being sick either. <laughs> Probably none of us are. <laughs> uh, but uh, um, a, a prayer that is helpful for me is to ask Jesus to look at me. And so I'll say, Lord, look at me. Help me see the way you are looking at me right now. Hmm. And if you've experienced someone looking at you with a gaze that is so much more than uh, than just they're looking at you, you know that they have an affection for you mm-hmm. um, and that they care about what's good for you. And the gaze of Christ, uh, as I've experienced it, uh, and this certainly it's not in miraculous visionary ways, right. but the gaze of Christ through the church and through 
people who care and so on is so powerful uh, that really is the gaze of God the Father. Mm-hmm. And that is what makes the difference. Right. Uh, it makes you able to be in this situation in a human way. Right. That's actually really good advice. I had never thought about that. You know, you're always like, Lord, help, please make me well or or make this very quick or whatever. But I, I like that advice because it really maybe can help take some of the fear or frustration out of it. And just think of how God's seeing you. That he's here with me, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Very nice. And, and, and really your question about being sick, ironically, or providentially, I happen to be very healthy by and large. Right. Uh, I've always been very healthy. And so I think, um, why uh, am I dealing with these sick people? <laughs> but I find that I do have an empathy because uh, I do experience the, the human weakness. Right. And Right, yeah. right. So um, this all obviously relates to suffering very closely, um, which we all have in our lives in some way. So how can we use that suffering, those experiences during illness, to help ourselves, to help others? I suppose, uh, I suppose my, uh, what I was saying about God, look at me, mm-hmm. Jesus, look at me. Um, when I can remember to say that when I'm suffering, it does change me. Mm-hmm. Um, then I see things more in a more real light. Right. Uh, uh, the way I see things without his gaze is pretty short-sighted. Right, for sure. And and then gets completely caught on that I'm suffering, mm-hmm. and uh, and I just want a way out right. of it, right. which is, uh, I would have that like everybody does. Right. Uh, but when I experience that, that, that there's something in this that is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Uh, and something that's really uh, good and and true, and that God's bringing me to something true, then then that changes. Right. Do you? I know several people who have um, chronic illness, and and often will use, especially on a day days that they're really suffering in particular, over other days, they'll use that to pray for other people. Mm. Uh, do you experience that with people in the hospital, and kind of walk them through anything like that? I think I have uh, sometimes prayed that for mm-hmm. people or with them and mm-hmm. and uh, myself, if I can think of it, to offer suffering that I have yeah. for uh, for people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there is a, a, a quite a tradition in the church yes. of offering your mm-hmm. sufferings, which I think in an, another way of thinking of it, it's the same reality, but another way of saying it maybe is to find Christ present in it. Right, and that God is here with me, mm-hmm. and if I can somehow go through this with His help, I'm offering it to Him mm-hmm. for yep. my good and for others' right. good. Right, yeah. and uh, one of the other things I've heard people often say is, um, if you do remember to offer it up, I like how you say, "If I think of it," because that is totally true. Yes, <laughs> we we're always thinking, "Okay, I really should offer it up," but then in that moment when you should have done it, you don't think of it. <laughs> Right. You but, can even uh, offer it then. Right, right. Yeah. Um, but that God can stretch a grace. So you don't have to just offer it up for one thing. You can offer it up for as many things as you would like. Right. So. And if you have, uh, in particular, 
uh, uh, someone or something that you have at heart that you really care about and you to offer it for them has a, a real depth of uh, of meaning for mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. and for them also. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so we have a probably about three minutes left or so. I want to give you a chance. Is there a um, particular experience that you've had? Um, I know you've had the one where the, the guy wouldn't let you in a couple of times, but is there one or, or two experiences that you had that really had a huge impact on you during that ministry? Oh, um, I would say many have, or uh, uh, almost every experience mm-hmm. that does. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that, the one in particular was, there's um, uh, so many uh, stories. I think uh, uh, almost always if when, when I experience that something changes in me, Right. That that I changed, then well, that's what you were asking. Yeah. That has a, an impact on yeah. you. Um, I don't know that I could even enumerate that. There's uh, <laughs> uh, the uh, the stories of people. I wrote one about this too. A, a man whom I baptized. Oh wow! On the night that he died, that night. My goodness. Uh, and I, when I came back the next day, he had died, mm-hmm. and his desire for baptism, um, and his. Uh, coming to a moment of truth about that was mm-hmm. beautiful, mm-hmm. Um, and uh, uh, also people who have been away from the church mm-hmm. or, uh, or or have not really um, had much to do with church. Right. Uh, the, their religious sense is very alive, and mm-hmm. and and they need God and care for Him, and that affects me. Yes, a lot, and when I see it in staff, oh, that, sure. that they that they care about uh, God mm-hmm. and what God happens with these people, even mm-hmm. people who wouldn't necessarily express any particular faith, right? Um, that has often left me just grateful mm-hmm. and saying, "I've really, I've really been touched here by God and yeah. seen Him doing something." Yeah. You have lots of moments of grace in that work. Uh, very many, just so many. And what I'd want to say, it's not just in that work. I, yeah. I, um, I always feel that when people would say that, uh-huh. I'd want to say right away, but you can have those experiences of grace all the time. That's very true. Um, if I'm attentive. Mm-hmm. And, of course, I'm not always attentive, <laughs> and even as I say that. But right. <laughs> right. But that's good to point out because— we don't all have to be um, caring for the sick to right. see really beautiful things happen with the people around us. All right. So, yeah. Yes. Very good. Thank you. We're out of time already. That was a super okay. quick 20 minutes. I think we could have talked for a long time. Uh, I wanted to mention, I know I know you have been writing about some of your experiences. Someone maybe told me, are you putting those online? Uh, I've been um, sending them to a group of family and friends, an oh, email okay. group. Okay. Uh, and I'm interested in publishing yes. them some way. Yeah. We or, may have to talk about maybe putting a few of those in the Bishop's Bulletin and just see. Sure. Because I think people would be really interested in that. Um, we all like to hear these beautiful stories of conversion and coming back to Christ and just really having a good death. Or because the, um, that is important in our oh, life, too. Yes. So, yes. so, again, thank you for being here, Father Zimmer. I really appreciate right. it. Thank you. All right. If you haven't found us yet on social media, you can find us at Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and of course, YouTube. Uh, Most of our programs are available as video on YouTube. 
and you can find us at sfcatholic.org anytime. That's it for us today. Hope you'll join us again next week for more Catholic news. Thank you.